0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Catron, and joining me as always is Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Uh, Not a lot, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, Tyler. I'm kind of excited for the show. We're doing a little episode about uh, auction drafts and snake drafts, and we have a special guest joining us. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, We got Alex Raclean from Rotowire.
1: Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, fantasy season is, is right around the corner and uh, we figured we'd do a, a couple shows about introducing people who maybe don't know a lot about fantasy basketball or uh, those who really just are that far too into it like us uh, just to go after uh, how we approach our auction drafts and snake drafts and maybe get some hints and tips out to the listeners. Um, but I, I'm really happy you came on the show and you right over at, at Red Wire for a uh, um, a bunch of different things, right? You you don't just do basketball
1: for Rotowire. I mostly do basketball. I sort of dabble in their football. A lot of my football stuff you can actually find on over on DraftKings. But no, I, I pretty much stick to those two: uh, basketball and football. You
0: are getting a cut of that DraftKings money, huh? That's where uh, it's at. Never enough. <laughs> yeah, they're only just the uh, multi multimillionaires. Uh, every single one of them who started that, and good uh, good on them. Um, I've not been really following the NFL this year and nor do I terribly want to because the NBA is like right around the corner. Have you, uh, have you done any drafts
1: yet for any of your leagues? I haven't done any actual drafts. I've, I've been in a couple of a couple of sort of mocks with some Roto wire, some, um, uh, Chris tower from, um, CBS had one that I was in last week and, um, Kyle McEwen from Basketball Monster had one that I was in last week. Um, yeah, we, we know Troy Kyle. Kyle. That's,
0: a, that's a good name draft. We know Kyle.
1: Yeah. No, they're both great. Um, I, Kyle actually is how I got started in this business, so I'm super appreciative of him. Um, and so I've, I've done a couple of mock drafts, but I haven't done uh, a, a legitimate draft yet.
0: Yeah, I haven't done one either. Tyler, you got one coming up, right? The, uh, one of those serious uh, Josh Lloyd ones.
2: Uh yeah, I had one last Saturday with Mr. Josh Lloyd himself. Uh, oh. It was it was a good night. That's the that's the league where it's absurdly large, right? Uh yeah, four hundred and twenty players or so get drafted. Oh. So like pretty much everyone who's alive in the NBA today.
0: Jesus, yeah, that's a ag- that's aggressive. I personally, I like to play auction drafts. That's my favorite way of doing it. I'm an auction Roto Nine Cat type of guy. Uh, Alex, do you have like a preference of, of drafts that you like to do?
1: The opposite of you. Uh, Perfect. I prefer snake and I prefer eight cat.
0: Really? Why, why the eight cat? So that's, I think one of the bigger um, discrepancies in the fantasy basketball world is that, do you include turnovers? Do you not include turnovers? Now, uh, some people will go out there and have like 15 categories. And I guess one of the nice things, if you want to look at it that way, is that you can play fantasy basketball almost in any way you dream of. But um, I'd like to see the community kind of start uh, focusing around nine cat, eight cat, head-to-head, roto
1: categories, and that's that's it. So I definitely, I'm I am lo- am definitely with you. I prefer head-to-head. Um, I like I like eight cat for a couple of reasons. One, I so many people effectively ignore turnovers. Um, when you're drafting, that it. It, it almost just like it kind of it kind of makes it less to me that makes it less fun you know I want everyone to be sort of competing on an even keel and if half the league is basically ignoring one of the categories that to me is is sort of making it less even um, I I don't like the negative value aspect of it um, uh, you know there might be some biased just because i started in eight cat um but I, i've always enjoyed eight cat more
0: how how long have you been playing fantasy
1: basketball i think i started in 2009 i started football before i started basketball um okay. and i started football when i started college which is 2005 um so it's somewhere around 2009
0: you hey, tyler you young cats um you guys, I mean, you guys are coming late to the game because uh, I, I remember playing way back in the day, back in 2001, in high school, and I actually had Jalen Rose on one of my Yahoo teams. That's just because uh, you're old, Mike. Just I'm an old man, and I'm just going to allow that to be um, the the credit that I have over everybody else, even though that doesn't really mean I know what the hell I'm talking about.
1: One of my favorite things, though, as someone who started a little later is going back and looking at some of the great players from before I played, like Amari Stoudemire and Andre Karolinko as top 10 overall fantasy players. You oh, know, yeah. I remember when I discovered that it just blew my mind.
0: Richard Lewis, he was great. Brad yeah. Miller. Brad Miller was always a go-to back in the day. We should just do a history of fantasy basketball podcast one of these days. I would love that. That'd be a fun time. It's the Basketball Porn Podcast by Mike Cattrone. It's just a bunch of old dudes (laughs) talking about their drafts from 2003 that nobody cares about. I kind of wanted to take this opportunity to talk about some of the different auction strategies. So snake and auction are like drastically different. I think a lot of people start with the snake draft. It's the first thing that comes up. It's usually pretty normal. It's easy to organize. It's easy to figure out. And there's like a lot of draft resources for snake drafts. But what I find is there's not a ton of draft resources for auction, auction drafts. Uh, do you play a lot of auction drafts, snake drafts? Like what's your preference of choice, the auction?
1: I mean, I think I'm sort of in the minority of the sort of people who play hardcore. Um, in terms of preferring snake, I've, I've, I've been in a couple of auction leagues for a while. Um, I definitely, they're definitely a lot of fun. Um, it's, it is nice because, you know, this year, I hate everyone between picks 35 and, you know, 50. And, you know, in an auction draft, I can skip that. Uh, so that's, that's kind of nice. Uh, and, and I also really, I think I do a pretty good job in the, in, in the late rounds. Um, you know, I think one of my skills as an analyst is, you know, rounds 9, 10, 11, and 12, in a snake draft. And so in an auction draft, I can sort of load up on some of those guys. Um, yeah, it makes, it makes perfect sense.
0: Uh, it's, it's kind of the give and take of the difference between auction and snake uh, is that an auction, you can really build any, any team you want, any team at all. And in a, in a snake draft, you got to play with the flow of the, of the draft. And it only takes one person to take your guy. And then it completely derails your entire strategy and like you're talking about with head to head, you know, everybody's punting turnovers. But if you're punting um, steals and you're waiting for some guy who's going to fit perfectly and, and he gets taken three picks before you, you're kind of you're kind of screwed with an auction draft. You can pay extra and get that guy. And, and that's kind of why I like auction drafts. It really um, it's an extra level of strategy when you're approaching your draft. Uh,
2: Tyler, are you doing a lot of auction drafts this year as well? Um, I think pretty much every league I play in, but one is an auction draft. So, so you're yeah, aggressive. I mean, I just think that the auction drafts, I mean, yeah, they take longer, but I love the fact that I can get anybody I want and there's no way you can stop me. If I, if I want, if I got the money, I can bid and have anybody I want.
0: And so like, how do you usually, uh, approach a auction draft, Tyler? Are you just, uh, ranking it based on, um, how you personally rank those players? Uh, do you have to take into account you know, some of the people that are in these leagues? What, what How do you look at it when you're coming into the draft? How do you prepare?
2: Um, basically, I'm a, a guy who prepares by um, taking either my rankings or, or someone like Mark's rankings that you can find. And you take those auction values and basically you put people in kind of buckets where you're saying, okay, these guys are all worth like $70. And then these guys are worth 40 and 50 and, and, just kind of putting them all together kind of in ranges. And then I kind of weed out the guys I want uh, from those ranges and try to pick. And then I always kind of have a backup strategy in the sense of saying like, okay, I want John wall, but if I don't get John wall, maybe I'll go after Chris Paul at relatively the same price. Um, and I feel like that just always kind of lets me get the team that I want to end up with.
0: I don't know. That, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you, you're almost kind of tearing players not just based on their their position rank when you see a lot of positional tiers out there but you're, you're kind of tiering everybody based on just their talent and and, and how much they're going to give back to you so you can properly um, put a price on those people is that how you kind of approach auction drafts alex or, you, or do you have a, a different way of looking at it
1: so for auction drafts I, I mean, I, I definitely have my, you know, pre-draft ranks and, and my my positional tiers. Um, I more th- go into it sort of with a mindset of um, trying, I, I, I think about it more in terms of just the, how I get people to spend money during the draft um, and and how I, I try to, I always try to, get people to bid up on players that I don't like early. Um, and I try to sort of build on the fly around guys who I find to be just sort of heavily discounted and then, you know, be a bully in the middle and the later part, part of the draft. Um, I mean, I, I go in with my own ranks. I have the sort of whatever system you're using has the, their, their dollar values. But, um, I think of it more in terms of the financial game than the player game, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, elaborately a little bit on that. You're, you're looking at more of of ensuring you're getting a kind of a, a discount for the, the players that you draft.
1: Yeah, effectively. So I mean I, I kind of have a have an idea in my head around you, you know someone who might be, the number one overall fantasy player should go, uh, for, you know, above $60 and someone who should be a top 10 should be above, you know, 50. Um, and that, and and I tend to find that the players in the 30 to 45 range, um, are usually sort of undervalued, um, so often what I will do is I will sort of stay out of the most expensive players. Um, whoever those happen to be in the draft that I'm in. Usually that's pretty predictable. This year I don't know who the most I don't know who the most expensive players are gonna be in any draft that I enter because the top of the draft is so uh open this year. Um
0: yeah, I actually think that makes this year a little bit more interesting and a little bit more dangerous there's uh it sounds like you're kind of going for the the discount middle rounds and making sure you have a really deep team yes. while some people do the stars and scrubs kind of um approach and i'm i'm a little bit of a hybrid when i approach option drafts um number one you, you really have to have your own personal rankings and your own personal money um that you're going to bid on a player you you have to have it don't go by espn or yahoo or whoever you're drafting with don't go by what they have down, uh, written down on next to that guy. Like just don't even bother doing it because someone's going to level set the market and that's where the market's going to be. And if you're, if you thought the market was going to be way higher than that, you're overpaying. If you thought it was going to be way lower than that, you're not going to draft anybody. You almost have to set your, your rate, your prices ahead of time. And then when the draft starts, you're already adjusting to the market being set around you by the players that you're playing against. And that could go really, any direction and this year with a top eight that's all so bunched close together i'm actually kind of looking at letting that top eight just go for an absurd amount of prices because you know the first couple are going to go for a lot and then the next couple are probably going to be you know around market level but then the a couple with only one or two of those guys left the people who are left who didn't get those guys are going to be so desperate they're going to be that market's going to go right back up and then you've weeded out a lot of money off the board. And I, I liked what you were saying, Alex, about always bidding someone that you don't want. Just get that guy out there, get someone bidding on him, get him off the board. Um, some people approach it where I'm going to th- only throw out the guy that I want. I actually
1: completely disagree with that. I think you should be throwing out guys that you don't want so someone actually takes them. The only exception that, to that, uh, so I, I agree completely. My only exception to that is if you have... A particular strategy in mind and you want to build around a particular player so um, maybe you know that you want to punt free throws and so you've got your heart set on getting deandre jordan you know maybe your first bid you bid out someone that you don't want but bid out deandre don't wait too long to bid out deandre jordan because you're basing your strategy around having him And you want to know how much money you have left so that you can bid on other values without losing your chance on that key piece that you've identified. So for me last year, that was Giannis. Um, I thought Giannis was just crazy undervalued last year and I sort of built a bunch of strategies around him. And so he was usually the second person that I nominated because I didn't want to miss out on those mid round values because I didn't know how much money I needed to save for Giannis.
0: yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense uh, Tyler are you approaching this year any differently than you have in, in years past
2: I mean no I, I I mean I'm always a big proponent of getting a bunch of those guys in the like probably thirty to seventy five range like I might make my whole team of thirteen guys in a standard league on on all those guys um, just because I think that we get into a point where they're all really undervalued and everyone kind of spent their money already on some of the big names. And now I'm left here just picking up the pieces of everybody I want in this range.
1: I love that strategy.
0: Yeah. I think you guys would be really annoying to draft against. Cause I feel like you would like all of my players and you would be bidding them up on me and I'd be, I'd be very annoyed by it. Um, but that that's always a good sign of an auction draft. Um, some players that I know like to, um, bid people up against uh, people who need who are position scarce and that's a great strategy for auction um when you see uh the, the someone who needs a center and there's only one really good center like brooke lopez the only good center left you know that guy needs it so you know keep throwing some money out there the your your key in an auction draft is always to get other people to spend more than they wanted to or more than they should have I mean, that's a dangerous game, right? You can always get stuck with that guy, but so never go too far over what you would pay for a guy, but it's, you got to pay attention to who people are drafting and that just adds another level of complexity.
1: So one of my, one of my like favorite things to do and I, and I, it's a lot of work. So I only, I usually only end up doing it for um, my drafts with my friends um, because they're the ones who, you know, will tease me forever that the guy who gets paid to do this, uh, is, (laughs) is losing to them. Um, but if if you're in a league that you really care about, one of my favorite things to do is to literally print out a sheet of paper, um, that like a, a sort of spreadsheet. And I keep track of the positions, um, that people are drafting. And I usually, um, I used to be a teacher, so I have all kind of all, all kinds of markers around, and I'll color code it, you know. Um, I'll have red for an elite player and orange for a, you know, very good, yellow for a medium. And I will, as people are taken off the board, keep track of how someone's roster is building out so that I can do exactly what you were just saying. You know, I know this guy is in desperate need of a big man, and there is a huge drop off behind you know, whoever is left on the board. Um, and I can safely bid him up knowing that they're going to keep bidding.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that to some people might seem way overboard or way too complex, but I, I would actually disagree with anyone who thinks that. If you're not keeping track of the other people's money, and you're not keeping track of who they're drafting, the quality of people who are they're drafting and who's left on the board, you're kind of missing an entire aspect of the auction draft. Uh, Tyler, are you are you just just drafting whoever and not paying attention to anybody else, or do you think it's important to uh, kind of keep tabs on the rest of the league?
2: No, and, and I actually I think maybe take it one, one little step further in the sense that I, I like to know the guys I'm going against. Right, if I know Mike is huge on I don't know any player this year, I know he's going to spend big for him. Right. There was so... a
0: there was a time period, Tyler, where I'm pretty sure you would nominate and bit up Derek Rose on me every day.
2: Yeah, and And I know you only
0: got me like twice. You only got me twice.
2: I know Mike is going right heavy on Derrick Rose. I'm gonna put Derrick Rose out there early, and I'm gonna make Mike spend every penny to get him. Yeah, being
0: being in a lot of Chicago-based drafts um, up until this year, where um, I'm pretty sure no one on the Bulls is gonna get drafted in my league other than Nico. But Derrick Rose was the sucker. Was such a sucker's bid. And you knew someone was going to go to like six dollars. You're like, this is this is embarrassing. It was always great.
1: Um, I mean, but it, it, that that's something you absolutely should should always do in every league. You you gotta you gotta know who you're drafting against. Um, a lot of my friends, uh, lived in either are from or moved to New York. Um, and so Porzingis is just. Gonna go for twice as much as and I'm not gonna end up with Perzingus in any of those leagues, but also I know that I can keep bidding up the price and they're gonna keep matching that price because the only reason for a New York person to keep following basketball. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. Is uh, Tyler, is there anyone? You're gonna be throwing out there let's uh maybe give some examples of these these type of players for this year. Is there anyone you're gonna be throwing out there that you just want no part of, but you know, you know, it's maybe you're in a league where you don't know everybody. You know a few people. who's you, who are you throwing out in an auction league so they
2: get bit up? Um, I think you know who my, my number one guy is. It's Joel Embiid.
0: Joel Embiid hype is hot right now. So hot. And um
2: you're you're scared off of Joel Embiid. I am very scared off of Joel Embiid and his 31 games in the last three seasons. And I'm a man who lives in Pennsylvania. So there are many men high on Joel Embiid in my parts of the world.
0: That's true. Um, Alex, we have a a going bet and I want you to uh, chime in on it. Who is going to play more games next year? Joel Embiid or Isaiah Thomas? Joel Embiid. Ooh. See, Tyler thinks it's going to be Isaiah Thomas. And so he's he's off of um, Joel Embiid. Actually, we're he's off of Isaiah Thomas too because he's missing a half a season.
1: Um, it's pretty suspect, I, especially I, in a head so, There's so much. Oh, Embiid is so fun. I just want to root for him. I like. I can't help but be optimistic about him, just because like I want him to do well. He's he's the most entertaining player. He's fun on the court. He's fun off the court. I mean, he's sympathetic because I I mean, can you imagine how terrible that must be to like go through these series of injuries? Um, and just got so much of someone I want to root for. Um, and yeah, he's the perfect person to nominate early in an auction draft for everyone else to bid up. But It sounds like you're
0: going to be the one bidding him up is what it sounds like.
1: Um, I would go as high. I, I would probably go as high as 35, 40 bucks for him.
0: Really? And then like a $200 kind of standard $200 auction. Yeah. That's pretty high. Um, especially you're kind of, but you're saying he's probably going to play like 50 some games. Like what's your over under?
1: I I I would put the over under at 65. Ooh. I think that he's I think that he's a lock to miss the I I I forget the exact number. I think it's about 14 um back to backs. I think he's a lock to miss one of those all season. There's n- at no point in this season will they try him on that. They could be one game out of the playoffs in April um and they will not play him on two, on back to back nights. Uh cool. There, but other than that, I i mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. Here's
2: my worry again, and I've I, I said this before, and, I, and I'll go for it again. The injury he had, they claimed when he first had it, he was going to be four to six weeks, and he was going to be fine. Why is he still not playing five-on-five? Five? This is like four months later, five months later than when he got hurt. Like, I don't understand how he's still I, not playing five-on-five.
1: I, I mean, the Philadelphia medical staff is probably the worst medical staff in the league.
0: Hold on, Chica- uh, the Chicago medical staff would like to have a word with you. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, and so with the Thunder, I mean, there's like, a, con- <laughs> there, you know, there's some competing people here. I, I'm so depressed that Joel Embiid didn't get drafted by the Suns. He would just be, I, I mean, he would be a top 10 pick if he were drafted by the Suns. And had had their medical staff all these years instead of instead of 76ers
0: well i mean i think if you can guarantee me which obviously you can't but if if uh fantasy basketball jesus came down and said mike i promise you joel and will play 65 games next year i'm probably taking him in the top 10 65 games for a guy who could possibly average three blocks a game, hit threes, s- score in the twenties, uh, get massive rebounds—I mean, the the guy is a kind of a almost like a fantasy outlier. There's like very few people you can compare him to historically
1: when you look at his his fantasy numbers. Sixty-five games, I would take him at twelve. If you promised me seventy games, I would take him at ten. Wow um if i
0: promised you 32 games
1: this is another place where your settings you know where your settings matter and you have to know the league that you're in if you have an ir spot um i and i was in a league what my first league that i was ever in had two ir spots then i don't care that he only plays 40 games he's gonna be incredible for those 40 games
0: yeah, I, I, and I especially, I like him more in Roto Leagues because you can get by with him. And, it, and in a Roto League, it's all about quality starts. But when I'm looking at Embiid in an auction draft, I think you're going to have to overpay to get him because all it takes is one person to like him more than you. And I don't want to overpay for really for anyone, especially anyone with a big question mark next to his name. And so I think, I'm, I think I'm going to have to side with Tyler is that this is a guy, him and Isaiah Thomas are both guys you throw out there and let the bidding begin. Throw it out there, like, right after the first round of people or even right away. I, I kind of like, Alex, I kind of like your strategy of throwing out someone you really want first to catch everybody off guard because everybody's expecting Kevin Durant and Westbrook and Harden. But that, once there's still money on the board, throw out those guys you just want to bleed, bleed money away from instead of throwing out Kyrie Irving or Jimmy Butler, get Isaiah out of the way, get Embiid out of the way. Um, is there is there anyone else you'd like to throw out when uh, when you're just trying to bleed money out there?
2: Rookies. I'm always throwing out rookies. Ooh, rookies. That's a good one. Every Great year, call. They always get a little bit overdrafted, and someone's always hyped, right? Someone. I, I was in an auction mock uh, on ESPN uh, last week, and someone paid $25 for Lonzo Ball. Wow. I was like, he's yours, man. You can enjoy him. Yeah. So settle down over there, whoever that was. Like, that's
0: that's a little aggressive.
1: I I th- this is going to sound silly because I just spent all this time saying that I'm willing to um, sort of go for Joel Embiid, but I usually throw out Chris Paul. I almost never have Chris Paul on my teams. Uh, I'm always worried about his legs and him just falling off the wagon um, in terms of his health. He's obviously an incredible player, Um, and you know, once in the last four years, I did this in an auction league, and no one bid, and so I was like, "All right, you know, if you're going to give me Chris Paul for forty dollars, fine." But uh, he's one of the people I usually nominate early to try and get people to bid up. Interest,
0: man. If I if I can get in a league where people don't like Chris Paul, I would I'd be cleaning up. Uh, Chris, I, I'm, I'm a huge – I think Chris Paul is always a bit of an underrated fantasy guy um, simply because of his steals and assists and his low turnover. And like I said, I play Roto, 9-cat, so that, that, that turnover really matters. And that raises him up from where he would be normally in a
1: head-to-head league to a, a much higher spot in a uh, and Roto league. And in a Roto 9-cat this year, he's probably – Rated because in a D'Antoni system, he's probably going to shoot more threes, and his turnover rate might go down even because of ball with Harden. Um, so he could actually sort of have two swings. So you know, his points might go down a little, his assists might go down a little, but his threes might go up, and his turnovers might go down. Um, in Roto. Nine cat, he he might be going pretty underrated.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case in the sense that, like, a lot of the my drafts, especially in, in roto, I, I see guys like Jokic and Gobert shooting above him sometimes, Demarcus Cousins. Like, sometimes he falls into that mid second round, sometimes even past 15 to like 16, 17, 18. And I'm like, man, how do you not take Chris Paul here?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised in, in any roto league where I see Chris Paul fall. And uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm just, I guess I'm just not worried about them, that those old crafty point guards, because uh, Chris Ball is almost like a, kind of a, ch- he's not beat you with speed, you know, he wasn't, he's not a Derrick Rose lightning fast type of guy. He's um, a misdirection, change of pace type of point guard who can just weave in and out of people, but it's really his, it's his ability to almost on a, on a dime completely change his direction and, 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 and pace and that keeps people confused in his absurd court vision, and, and and like you're saying, people are down on him because he's with Harden. But in D'Antoni's system, I don't think anybody should be down on Chris Paul, no sir. Um, let's let's talk about guys at the end of the draft. So in a snake draft, you can it's easier to get a sleeper in a snake draft, and this and, and this is why in a snake draft you could go reach down a little bit. You can find those guys who are hidden off the screen during your draft or. Uh, people that no one's ever thought of like no one's thinking about jamal murray you can just go grab him in the in the 10th round 11th round but in an auction draft you have to bid this guy out is there anyone you're looking at who you think people are so far out on that you can get him for like a dollar or two at the end of your draft and uh, and sneak one by people
1: so I don't understand why JJ Reddick's price, why JJ Reddick isn't generating more excitement. Um, he's in a perfect landing spot for him. Like I I couldn't have designed a better spot for JJ Reddick to land. Um, and no one's talking about him. He's ranked outside the top 100 by most major sites. Um, I, I think you could probably get him for a dollar maybe two, which to me is crazy. I have him at eighty five on my own personal ranking system. Like I to me that's nuts.
0: Are you are you a fan, Tyler, of JJ?
2: Yeah, I think JJ's uh definitely a lot big time underrated this year just in the sense that I think Philly's going to get him open and they're going to let him fire a lot of threes and he will probably make a lot of threes.
0: Yeah, I mean and and that's he'll be, important. Uh, he'll be wide open. I'm yeah, I'm I think everyone's excited for Philly and the fact that everybody's excited for Philly and JJ's going on the radar doesn't make too much sense to me, but uh, maybe it's because the, there's so much hype around Embiid and, and Simmons and, and Fultz that uh, JJ is just kind of, no one's even, no one's paying attention to him. I, I kind of like that as a, as a steal late, late in a draft where you get him somewhere between one and $3. Uh, would you consider, and I think this would go through, would you consider taking Rudy Gay for a dollar? Oh yeah. Cause I think everyone's, out on Rudy Gay. Everybody's like, Rudy Gay is not. Gonna, he's going to suck. Now, if you're playing with some kind of new players who just name recognition and they're looking at the rankings, and they see Rudy Gay really high, uh, that's on ESPN. Maybe that maybe that won't work, but Rudy Gay
2: for a dollar or three? Why not? I got a lengthy list. If you want, it, if you want to hear them, uh, throw them out there.
0: Let's. Uh, we'll. I, I, well, me and Alex will put on, and you you throw them out there.
2: All right, uh first guy on the list, Derek Favors. I just think that they're gonna let him play power forward and then he's gonna bounce back some. I only want him for a dollar.
1: I would be surprised if he only goes for a dollar.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at ESPN's like auction prices, dollar six average wow. draft. So that seems crazy oh to me. My. Jeremy Lin is another guy, dollar five. I'll pay five dollars. Whoa. Like Gary Harris, a dollar five is their average. I'll pay much
0: more than five dollars. <laughs>
2: Is the average price. Jamal Murray's in there. Uh, Enos Cantor, who I think is going to be a, in the top 100 player in New York Ani hood. I mean, there's a crazy amount of guys you can get for like a, a dollar, less than $2 according to ESPN.
1: So one, you know, this is Joe Ingles. He's not going to fly under the radar in some really competitive leagues, but you know, in sort in, in medium competitive leagues, Um, he's probably available. I, if we're talking about a dollar, I'm going to get Frank, Frank Nitalina. I don't, I don't have any idea how to say his last name.
2: Tyler, we need your expertise. Um, Frank Nilakina. That's how you say it. Trust me. Don't try. Nilakina. Yep. That's it. That's it. All right. Thank you.
1: It took me three episodes. Um, It took you
0: three seconds. So,
1: (laughs) so, Frank Nilakina, I'm going to grab him for a dollar every time if I can. You know, maybe I drop him after a week. But if he's getting 25 minutes, um, you know, the first week of the season, which their depth chart is terrible, that's totally reasonable, then you might have like a a real gem. You might have a a solid starter. Um, uh, For a dollar, I'll take whatever random bull floats your boat. I mean, yeah, I was, uh, that's actually
0: what I was going to say. If if you're in your last pick and uh, I actually want to say, would you take nilikina Chris Dunn, or uh, Milo Tadosic? I think that's, that's a pretty good dollar crew of point guards there.
1: <laughs> I'd take Nitali- Nitalina And Nilakina. I already forgot. Dang it. Right. Nilikina. Um, you got it. Nilikina. Frank Nelikina. I would take Frank Nelikina first among that group, and then, um, and then the Clippers point guard second. Uh, I'm I'm never really been all that high on Chris Dunn. Um, if he works out as an NBA player, I Hold don't on. think he's, it will be he the most the, fantasy friendly game.
0: He's the point guard um, of the future in Chicago, though. What? The, uh, mean, some sort of dystopian
2: future, apparently. <laughs> he's making fun of the bulls don't just just let him go he's he's in his own little world right now (laughs) um miratich is also going for a dollar on espn which which surprises me a little bit um yeah i I think that's
1: partly because of the uncertainty i think that'll go up
0: yeah i think here in the next couple weeks that's definitely gonna go up
2: that's a good possibility. Uh, Nila Kina, if we're talking about him, that's a it's a real good play in the sense that how much, many minutes has Ramon Sessions played for like the last five years, like right around 20 a game? And Ron Baker is not a point guard. Sorry, Knicks. He's not a point guard. And I'm not sure Jared Jack's ever going to be healthy again. So
0: Tyler, don't apologize to the Knicks. Apologize to Ron Baker's family. <laughs> Come on. Call him not a point guard.
2: I just said he wasn't a point guard. I didn't say he wasn't an NBA player. I said he's not a point guard. All right, okay. So, yeah, I, But I,
0: get,
2: I should get them. Rob,
1: Robin Lopez is being ignored. I'm a little worried
0: about Robin Lopez. We we talked about this um, not too long ago, actually, probably yesterday. Um, we like Robin Lopez, and I, I think when he plays, what he, if he plays the amount of time he played last year, he's perfectly fine at the end of the draft for some big man stats. He's very consistent. Uh, I'm a little worried about that Bulls team looking at their roster and looking at the fact that they need to lose and and just being like, let's run the the kids out there all the time and, and putting Lowry marketing at the five spot more often and, and seeing Robin Lopez's minutes kind of dwindle into the low twenties. And if he's in the low twenties, I'm not sure I want him in a standard league.
1: So you, you clearly know the bulls sort of backstory a little better than I do. I, do they don't have to try to lose with this roster <laughs> and on some level aren't Jeez. aren't Garpacks fighting for their job don't they have to win enough games I mean, or are they just never going to get fired no matter how bad a job they do
0: there's um well the, there's a pretty good consensus that it's an old boys club that um, nepotism runs wild there. They only hire people who went to colleges with these guys, or they know them personally. That's what happened with Fred Hoyberg. The ownership cares more about the White Sox winning than the Bulls winning. And so I think it's a little bit somewhere in between. The ownership is finally understanding and getting the idea that Gar Foreman and Paxton are laughing stock, but those guys, those guys are attached at the hip. Their their wives are in charge of the charity boards uh, in the bulls uh, association. Like that they're, they're entrenched into the bulls organization and it's going to take a move from uh, Reinsdorf, one of the Reinsdorf's, Jerry or his son, his son's really running the bulls now to finally just go, we're a laughing stock. Players don't want to come here. You're all out. and, when you're rebuilding, why, why – I see the logic, why do that now? It doesn't make any sense to do it now. We're rebuilding. We're going to lose a bunch of games. Let them lose a bunch of games for two years and then try to reshuffle. But uh, I think those guys, their jobs are safe for another two years,
1: and it's just it's just sad. Oh, that's really depressing. Just like as someone who likes basketball, I mean, the, they're so bad. Uh,
0: well, as someone who is a bowl season ticket holder, I'm uh, more depressed and – probably gonna lose a bunch of money this year so oh well so i think we i think we've done enough lip service for the uh, the hardcores out there all the auction people and uh you know there is not a lot of people talking about auction drafts so i wanted to spend a good amount of time talking about uh different strategies around auction drafts and how people look at it
1: uh, so just one last thing on auction drafts that i i sort of wanted to fit in earlier but it, it never really fit our flow um this year i think there's the op- So I'm usually like really down on the stars and studs or, or studs and duds strategy and auction. I think it's too expensive. Um, but I think this year, if you go into it with an open mind and you say, um, you know, there are eight people who could legitimately end the season as the number one overall fantasy player. And then there are seven more who might end up in the top 10. um, You're comfortable with whichever two or three of those that you get. I think that there's a lot of legitimacy to going in and just saying, here is my list of, you know, the top in eight to 12 players. And I will take any one of them that goes for under $53. Because I think that people will say like, I think that there there's going to be the mindset in drafts that, you know, only the first two or three picks go for $65, you know, where on the eighth guy, they can't be going for the same price. And so there's going to be a lot of value there. And you could have two or three players who might reasonably be a first overall pick in a snake draft on your team. Mm-hmm bucks as opposed to for 120. And so I think that that's a reasonable strategy this year whereas in most years I would really hate that strategy.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of like that idea and kind of setting a limit for yourself and just going, "Hey, if I get one of these guys for this price, I'm uh, this is great. He could be the number one player at the end of the year." But if everyone's going, if that topic goes ends up going for a certain amount of money, now you're sitting there with the most money on the board and you're looking at those two tier, uh, second tier, third tier players and I would just mop up the floor with those second and third-tier players and then take all these little hidden gems that we've been talking about, your uh, Jamal Murrays and your Gary Harris's and all these guys that are way down on the list, the Nico Meretiches of the world. And uh, you, you could have about you know, four or five guys from the top you know, 30 ranking, and then a bunch of guys who will sneak up in that 60-50 range. That, that's, that's a hell of a team. Um, let's let's move on to the, uh, the uh, some snake strategies, and, and I feel like sna- people know a lot more about the snake drafts, so we don't have to get too crazy into the detail here. But uh, I just kind of wanted to go around and, uh, and see how people how you approach your snake draft, um, and I mean, what is the? Uh, and I actually like to pose this question: What is the over under on how many mock drafts you do before a snake draft? And uh, Tyler, you, you go first.
2: Over under on how many mock drafts I do? Before uh, yeah, before your first snake draft. Oh you don't want to know. Degenerate gambler here. Don't don't ask those kind of questions.
1: <laughs> what about you, Alex? I try to get in uh you know five. Um some years I only get in two or three. Um, you know, the last year or two I've been fortunate enough to you know, have this be more of my, my main focus in life. Um, And so I've been able to get up into the, you know, 15s and 20s. Um, But, you know, as a casual player, I think you gotta do at least three. They don't take that long. Um, You might as well bow out after the eighth or ninth round when everyone else bowed out anyways. Um,
0: Yeah. they, they They don't take too long when everybody drops out.
1: So, um, I, I think there's a ton of value to be gained in, in doing at least, you know, two or three. And if you can get above five or six, you're in a much better spot than if you only do one or don't do any.
0: Yeah, at the very least, a couple hours before the draft, two, three hours before the draft, you know, go, run through it a couple times. Find where you're actually going to be drafting at the position and just and just run through it at least a few times. I did about seven yesterday, so... Uh, I'm, I think I'm way above average on amount of mock drafts done. Um, so in, in a similar fashion, uh, I think you have to have your own personal rankings based on, on your league uh, going into either a snake or an auction draft. But in a, in a snake draft, you're not going to be able to get the players that you want. You're going to have to take the players that are available whenever they uh, whenever your pick comes up. So, do you go into a uh, a draft looking to punt something based on the the, the first player you're going to get, or or do you let your punt strategy kind of evolve over time?
1: So, I'll tease an article that'll probably come out um, probably early next week. Uh, I'm probably I-, I like punting points in the first place. Um, I, and this article I'm writing is going to make the argument that this year is a particularly good year for punting points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally advocate not going into it with, you know, if, if you're able to do it on the fly, you're going to be better off because you're going to be better able to take advantage of um you know, the values that come to you. Uh, I think you need to have an idea, at least a vague idea of how picking DeAndre Jordan um, in particular, uh, but if you're in nine cat um, taking Russell Westbrook or James Harden, I think you need an idea of how that impacts you because those sort of box you into punting various categories. Um, But I don't, I don't love going into it with the idea of I'm going to punt this specific thing. Although that is certainly a strategy that I have used before and will use at least a few times this year.
0: That makes sense. Tyler, you, you actually, I don't think ever punt points. Like you're, you're against punting points.
2: No, that's actually not true. I, I, I think points, uh, points is a category I punted in two drafts last year. Um, Here's the, the strategy behind it, right? Everybody likes that sexy big number. And points is the sexiest, biggest number. And so you can, especially if you're, the people play, you're playing against are not, uh, how do I want to say this? They're not paying attention to you. You can get Fair away with
1: Basketball
0: that. savvy.
2: Yes, you can punt points and have an exceptional, exceptional team. It's not my favorite strategy to do. Um, it's not the one I do the most often, but it is definitely a great strategy
0: well you you had me fooled tyler i thought you were a, a points aficionado um because when we we in our last episode we ended up building a um mock draft like kind of the first six rounds of around russell westbrook and uh, we went after points hard but if you're getting russell westbrook you should probably not pump points it doesn't make too much sense right personally um i like to um wait until about the third round. So I'll take the best player available in the first round. I'll take the best player available in the second round. And then in the third round, I'll start saying, all right, what am I weak in? What am I strong in? Do I, want, do I need to balance out those things that I'm weak in? Or do I want to just completely get punt those things that I'm weak in based on the players that come up? And that third and fourth round really kind of solidifies what punt direction I go. Um, just because that's, to me, the most questionable rounds. The third or fourth round gets re- get real sticky because people are starting to reach for players. Um, they're starting to take people they want that they know they're not going to get back. Well, you know, f- you know, fifteen picks later when their next pick shows up. So people are reaching down a whole round below you and they'll they'll definitely screw you over. And you gotta you gotta be aware of those kind of things. So I, I try not to punt until until at least that third or fourth round. Do you have any uh, specific mid round strategies, Tyler?
2: Uh No, I mean, I, I'm i always just trying to build a, a team. And I think we talked about this a little bit yesterday that I, I sometimes will even adjust my strategy slightly um, depending on what kind of team I'm building. But uh, I, I'm always just looking to build a real well-rounded team. And I'm looking for points. If I'm not punting points, I'm looking for points early because, like I always say, those 20-point scores dry up real quick.
0: What about you, Alex?
1: I mean, it, so – as you, as you said, and as, as we said, you got to have a rankings going into it. And, and if you can have your own rankings, that's much better. Um, or at a minimum, you know, find some expert you like and, and take theirs. Uh, but, you, you know, if you can be sort of familiar with that, then you can say, I hate every single player between pick 36 and 50. And I don't want any of them. And as a result, you know, going into a, a draft and knowing that I'm going to use that pick as a, I'm, I feel like totally liberated to take Gary Harris if I want, even though it's kind of a reach because I'm not going to be happy with that pick no matter what. Um, and and also, if sort you of- like
0: Gary Harris, right, if you like him, you think he's going to be a top 50 player. And you want to take him at the bottom of the fourth round and he's ranked a hundred on Yahoo. You're, you're picking him at face value. That's the basically the, at the worst thing you could do is overdraft him. So you're not overdrafting him. You're drafting him where his value is. And that's, that's perfectly fine because it guarantees
1: you, you're going to get him. And no one's going to snake him in the next round. Yeah. So, and, and I, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's sort of another, another thing to pay attention to especially in the middle rounds is sort of tiers of players. So, you know, at the end of the fourth or fifth round, there's at least one position by definition that you don't have someone in. Um, you know, if you don't have a point guard at the end of the fourth round, the, I see a big drop off between Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday and Goran Dragic, who's my next point guard on the board. So if I'm missing a point guard, I've, I've got to grab Drew and let that, you know, I can't let that tears gap slide even if, you know, there's a player on the board that who, who I have ahead of Drew um, that I would rather take, but, you know, I can't afford that drop at that starting point guard position.
0: And yeah, that makes perfect sense, especially when you get in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round. You gotta start re ranking your players based on your team instead of the overall rankings. And having those positional tiers really does help. So I, I'd actually suggest people, uh, there's positional tiers out there. Do your own if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to download one, I prefer to do my own. But there's stuff out there if you want to print them out and then adjust them how, accordingly. At least find a baseline to go off of.
1: Can um, I do a little quick shameless plug here?
0: Oh, please do. I mean, you got this point, points <laughs> article coming out. Is that, is that on Rotowire?
1: Um, so so uh, I'm all about shameless plugs. Um, go, go. My current pinned tweet is... Um, so Twitter at my last name at uh, I, ha- I wrote the tiers articles that are a part of Yahoo's fantasy basketball uh, draft kit. So my point guard tiers, my shooting guard tiers, et cetera. Um, it's my pinned tweet. If you go to my profile, it's right there on the top. Um, so if you're looking to build tiers, I you know, I recommend use, make your own, you know, use mine as a guide, but make your own.
0: Um, yeah. Start with Alex but, as a baseline. I mean, this is uh this worked out really well. If you were looking for tiers, you now have a direct link to those tiers over on Yahoo.
1: So oh. yeah, but um big so so I'm a big fan of using tiers in those middle middle rounds. And you know, I I just I like getting getting my guys, getting my players who I who I have, you know, higher than where I'm picking
2: you want it to be your team, right? I mean, you always want the players you want. I think that that's sometimes where people make the mistake is, oh, Brooke Lopez is the next guy on the board. I got to take him, but I don't like Brooke Lopez. Like, no, take somebody you want. Like, the worst thing going to happen is you're going to lose your league, right? But you're going if you lose your yeah. league with players you hate, you're going to hate yourself. Whereas if you lose the league with players you like, well, then you're probably like, all right, well, at least I enjoyed watching some basketball. I don't hate winning time.
1: So, so, I mean – that's one of my biggest pieces of advice to people who are new to fantasy is this game is supposed to be fun and we do it for enjoyment. So if you hate the Knicks or if you hate my Celtics, don't draft a Nick or don't draft a Celtic. If, if you can't stand, um, you know, Otto Porter, because, he looked at your ex girlfriend funny, and when you guys were at college together, Otto Porter.
0: Well, hold on, hold on. That seems incredibly specific.
1: Um, it's it's not actually Otto Porter. It's um, I don't even remember exactly who it is. Uh, there is. It was someone in in. It was some sort of third string wide receiver. Um, so it was not he, Otto it was Porter. Fantasy. It was, it was some wide, not third string. It was some wide receiver three 2014 who like hit on my friend's girlfriend. And so he would never draft that guy in fantasy. And you know what? Good. Um, Don't like the player. Don't put him on your team.
0: Uh, Listeners out there. If you can uh, reconstruct who that is, uh, feel free to tweet that player out. Uh, Nicole Rick, Rick no, don't do that, don't do that. That'd be a bad idea. Um, yeah, I've, I actually one time I, I, I've had a couple run ins with some NBA players, but the most interesting time was uh, Paul George's rookie year. We were at a club in Indianapolis, don't ask me why. I was in a club in Indianapolis, and uh, my, my buddy was like, Hey man, we could just walk up to the VIP section, let's go up there. I was like, yeah, the bouncer's not paying attention. Let's just go. So we're in the VIP section hanging out, just standing around. And all of a sudden we're like, Yo, is that and you don't know Paul George at this time, but I was like, What is that Paul? Is that Paul George? It kinda looks like Paul George. That kind of looks exactly like Paul George. Paul George was hanging out in the VIP section, like on the couch next to us. It's pretty awesome. And then uh I think the bouncer gave us kind of like a man, what are those two dudes doing back here? That that can't be right. <laughs> so he kinda just stared us downstairs down and then we walked down and he was like, Yep.
1: Uh, Tyler, yeah. what's your
0: Tyler? What's your running
2: with a uh, with an NBA star? I I can't tell you on here, but I'll tell you later. Oh wow, man,
0: that's uh that is a if there's a teaser and a half, that's that is it. It's uh, it better not be. Uh, I saw Mari Marty in a steak and shake because that's I, also one of my stories.
2: <laughs> I can safely say that's not it.
0: It was like it was like two a.m. and I was like, "Yeah, there's this definitely Mari Stardemeyer just hanging out, eating a five-way chili."
1: So I can't do it anymore, but um, because it's just totally useless at this point. Um, but for years, my for the last couple of years, one of my last picks would be Jared Dudley, because uh, he was at Boston College while I was there, and while there's no chance that he knew my name, he did recognize my face. And he would give me that nod when we passed each other. He would give me sort of the cursory, What's I up, recognize I your face, face from nod. From campus?
0: Yeah, one of those, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I sat like front row at all the BC basketball games and Boston College does not have a large fan base. So it was, I was like, you know, me and the four guys there, he he knew who we were. Um, but yeah, so it was, pick Jared Dudley if I could. But yeah, the point is pick a team you enjoy.
0: Yeah. Do what you enjoy. It's, it's, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to enjoy this game. It's not supposed to be a burden. So I think the last thing I, I wanted to cover um, is probably the thing that everybody wanted to, to, to hear about. So that's why I saved it for last. It's called Smart Marketing. It's why they put all the important stuff in the back of the store. And all the the trinkets in the front, so you got to walk past them. Um, the late rounds, kind of, a, a, in my opinion, where you can make or break your fantasy season. And um, in the late rounds, we have a philosophy that we want to um, actually go for go for a higher higher ceiling guys, like so guys who maybe you don't know if they're gonna pl- have the playing time or whatever, but they got a real high ceiling if if they can hit it. And so do you have any of those uh, late round uh, sleepers that you would uh, recommend people, people keeping an eye on?
1: Um, so, yeah, I do. I'm going to, I, I tend to develop a better sense of those over the next you know week or two. Um, but I, I certainly have some already. I absolutely agree with the strategy when, when it gets to, when you are drafting your fantasy bench, you should assume that you will be dropping these players within a month and that the risk is literally zero pay no attention to, you know, ESPN's pre-draft ranking and draft the guy you think who is in the highest situation. Um, so some of the people who I've been taking there, um, JJ Riddick, JJ Reddick is someone who I already said, um, Marquise Chris is someone who um Roto World is like really high on and so if you if you're in a draft with people who use Roto World heavily then he'll already be out, off the board. Yeah, Chris but is picking up pretty steam. much every, yeah. but pretty much everyone else has him like down in the 150s. Um so if you if you're in a league where he's down in the 150s, um you know, I'm happy to take him in the 10th or 11th. Um I, I like Frank Nital, <laughs> and That's good. That um, was way better. And if I don't get him, I'm, tr- I'm getting to Aaron Fox. Um, I like Ersan Ilyasova a lot. There's a lot of stats to be had on bad teams. Every NBA team scores 90-plus points a night. And there are not enough good players on the Hawks or on the Bulls to score ninety points, so they got to get there somehow. So, yeah, I, I'm taking a bunch. I'm taking a bunch of late round Hawks and Bulls, um, like Torian Prince, Ersan Eliasova, um Robin Lopez, Laurie Markkinen, uh, even Paul Zipser, maybe if the other Bulls are gone because realistically we are all guessing which bull will score 18 points a night, but one of them will.
0: Yeah. With, with some of those, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head is that there's a lot of minutes to go around, a lot of shots to be had on some of these really, really terrible teams. And uh, right now we just don't know what's going to happen. So take a flyer on the guy you like the most and yeah. be prepared to drop him in two days after the season starts. And, At the very least, you should have two, maybe three guys at the end of your bench that you're willing to just drop for anyone who is better. Especially if you're head-to-head, you should be streaming anyway. But your last few picks should be guys who are very, very expendable. The rounds kind of before that, I like to take a a flyer on on guys who – I like to mix it up. I like to take more flyers on guys who have high ceilings and then maybe get like one or two guys who are like very consistently – um, solid. You know, like Wilson Chandler. Nobody, that's not a sexy name. Nobody cares about Wilson Chandler. But Wilson Chandler is going to be perfectly fine this year. He's going to do what Wilson Chandler always does, and you got that consistency. If you're in one of those, you know, one of those deeper drafts, you, you're going to get that consistency. But you know, I'm also kind of looking at guys at the very end of the draft, like Scalabassier. That guy. Yeah, I,
1: I was just about to say him.
0: I like him. I like him a lot. Who's the next one? He's got some interesting, um, some interesting stats. Let's see. Who else do I like around those way, way deep picks? Um, Seth not, Curry. Ooh, Seth Curry. Mm, I mean, he's. I, I don't know what's going on in Dallas, but
1: right, he's he's probably going
0: to play a bit.
1: I mean, if if I mean Rick Carlisle is a much better coach than I am, <laughs> but if I were the coach of the Dallas Mavericks. I would be running Dennis Smith and Seth Curry out there 30 minutes a night for both of them. Um, and yeah. Yogi, Ferrell and JJ Barrera take like 12 each. Uh, but, but I would be giving both of those guys 30 plus and, and Seth Curry a pretty decent player. I think he would be perfectly, he's, he's going to be a top, probably a top
0: 100 player if nobody's drafting him or you get him in the last pick, okay, you got a top 100 player with your last pick. Good. Congratulations. Like, good job. What about you, Tyler? Is there any any
2: sleepers you like? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll bring back a cut that I made uh, a few weeks ago, and it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, the Kings don't have a small forward. I think they're going to give Bogdanovich huge minutes. I think he's the better version of Buddy Healed in the sense that I think he's going to be a pretty decent three-point shooter. He can actually play some defense. Um, if you can score, I just really like him, as, especially as a last-round pick. No one's really on him. Uh, that's a guy I'm getting a ton in my last round.
0: And, and, and for the listeners at home, that is the new Bogdanovich, the, the newer, younger, sexier version of Bogdanovich on the Sacramento Kings. Not the older, I feel like I've heard of that dude. Wasn't he on the Nets version of Bogdanovich, who is actually on the Pacers, everyone? Pay attention.
1: So yeah, the one on the Kings is B O G D A N, and the other one is B O J. Um, the the last name is the same. The only difference is the one on the Kings is G D, and he's the one who's new to the league. Uh, and the the other one on the Pacers now is is uh, B O J. Um, the funny thing is. I So Bogdan Bogdanovich, the one on the Kings. I remember he was drafted right before Bojan Bogdanovich made his debut. And I didn't realize that they were different players. And so when Bojan Bogdanovich came out, I thought like, oh, silly Americans. Everyone was spelling his name wrong on ESPN during the draft day. And now that he made a <laughs> roster, they they fixed it. <laughs> wow! I didn't realize that there were different people.
0: It wasn't that bad. Turns out the uh, the copy editor at ESPN was not slacking off that day. <laughs> it was actually a real person. Um, Tyler, one uh, of the one of the sleepers you like is is John Collins. Are you still are you still after that guy? Still after I John am- Collins?
2: I am not going for John Collins in a standard league, probably just because I don't know that he's going to play huge minutes on opening night. And especially in a head to head league, I don't want to wait around for a rookie. Um, John Collins, probably a guy I think is going to be worth picking up though. At some point in your head to head league.
1: He's a classic. You, You put him on your watch list literally as soon as the draft is over. And, you know, seriously set an alarm in your phone for February 1st. Like, you know, Set an event in your phone, February first. Check John Collins stats. Um, no, make it like, because... really
0: ambiguous. Like it's John Collins season, boy. <laughs> and then you're like, February first. You're like, what the what the hell is this? What the hell does this mean? What the hell does this mean? And your girlfriend's like, Who the hell is John Collins? Who have you been talking to?
1: Because <laughs> he's the type of player who really could take over a role. Later in the season and could be pretty good. Um, Jared Allen is, you can include him in the same exact note. Um, th- these are players who I can't imagine them mattering before February, but once trade season sort of picks up, once we get close to the All Star break, once teams get a little um, less ambiguous about punting or, or tanking. Um, that's when these guys start to shine, and there's some talent in these players.
0: Definitely, I actually I feel like this year is is deeper than usual. Um, we're talking about people who are going to be relevant in the standard league. That I just think there's more people vying for standard league relevancy than there usually is. Um, there's going to be a lot of people who will surprise uh, everyone at the end of the season when you see them in the top 100. And uh, I like that. I, I like that the NBA is getting deeper. I like that fantasy basketball is um, expanding. It's uh, it's waiver wires, no matter uh, how big or, or deep of a league you play in. So I, I like that. I think that's a pretty good pretty good sleeper list. Uh, is there anything else about snake drafts that you, you think the people should know? Alex?
1: Um, I mean, this is not snake draft specific but if you have an early draft um if you have an early draft i like to pick up especially an early draft where you're not allowed to make waiver moves for the until you get closer to the season i like picking up someone like Rashawn holmes or frank kaminsky um or tyler ulis uh these are guys who are going to be inexpensive and you might cut literally before the season starts, but if anything happens to Joel Embiid, if anything happens to Eric, uh, to Eric Bledsoe, and if anything happens to Dwight Howard, all three players who might get hurt, um, those three players could be looking at a big role, and all of them have shown that they are clear top 100 players when they have a big role. Um, so that's not necessarily snake draft, but, you know, depending on your calendar, those are people to look at.
0: Yeah. I think in, in deeper leagues, handcuffing actually does happen. It's kind of a, it's kind of interesting to see that, that, that carrying over from football people handcuffing their, their point guards with, with quality guys, like, like the guys you mentioned. Uh, Tyler, you got any other snake draft tips?
2: Um, Know your league, pay attention. Have a nice rankings. That's all I got. You do those three things. You'll, be, you'll probably be pretty all right.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty solid advice. Um, I think that's it for the, uh, for our auction versus snake uh, draft podcast. Uh, Alex, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they read you?
1: Um, I tweet out all my articles and I write for a bunch of places. So that's probably the easiest place. um at, at my last name R I K L E E N, uh, I'm on Rotowire. That's sort of my main gig, and do a lot of stuff for DraftKings. Uh, and then I sort of flirt with Yahoo. Um, CBS has been trying to set up a date with me. Um, yeah.
0: That sounds sounds I'm, great. I'm
1: begging them to to publish some of my articles, and it looks like it might happen. Um, but great. congratulations! So that's, that's I'm sort awesome. of all over the place.
0: Well, good I mean your work's getting out there if people want those player tiers they're they're over there on Yahoo and that's a good place to start out so uh, yeah thanks thanks for coming on the show Alex thanks for having me
2: uh, Tyler wh- what do you got going on uh, any any new articles I uh, just give a plug for if you want custom rankings I'll uh, just send me the league send me the specifics and I'll get them out to you uh, you can find me on Twitter at Watsy four 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 four
0: that's right that's four fours. So it's extra confusing for everybody on Twitter, but uh, if if you're listening this long and, and this much, you probably already know that one already right now. And you can find me at Watch the Boxes if you want to join our hashtag basketball um, sponsored watching the boxes annual head-to-head nine cat players only fun times fantasy league, which is the the name of the league. Um, go ahead. Uh, DM me or Tyler, or go ahead and message at hash basketball. And uh, I think we only have a few, we only have like two spots left, like one or two spots left. So get them in while they're hot. And other than that, I think that's it for tonight. Thanks for joining me, everybody. And uh, have a good night.